Hey, everybody. Welcome to Investing in Psychedelics. I'm Jeff Siegel. And with me today is Simeon Schnapper of the JLS Fund. Simeon, let's get into it. Let's jump right in. Grand, awesome. Grand Rapids, Michigan. Grand Rapids, Michigan. As soon as this fall, Grand Rapids could become the latest jurisdiction to deprioritize possession, cultivation, and use of etheogenic plants and fungi. So basically, this means you won't get arrested if you have or grow or give psychedelics. There are clearly a number of states and cities that are looking to decriminalize and even legalize certain psychedelics. The question is, does this really matter for investors who are focusing on psychedelic companies that are operating solely in the world of drug discovery and development? Um, yeah, I think it absolutely does. Um, I looked at that and a couple of things that jumped out when I saw the, I believe it was a decriminalized nature Grand Rapids uh, division, if you will, mm -hmm. or group. And I'm trying to remember that. Oh yeah, there were a couple of things that jumped out at me. Uh, one, just having um, had family born and raised in Michigan and going up there every summer when I was a kid. Uh, two, uh, the name of the, the event space, uh, which I thought was ironical, it's called Pyramid Scheme, right? <laughs> I think that's where they're hosting. It's like a great place for a bar or a venue event. Um, and then three, um, family members who live in Michigan, um, although they live in the Upper Peninsula, which I think if you meet anybody from the Upper Peninsula where my grandparents come from, it's pretty evident it should be its own state. That being said, and to answer your question, um, is it important for investors to be aware of what's happening in decriminalization? And the answer is 100% yes, because decrim is one of those things where you have um, the voice of the people. Um, and when you see something shifting at a macro level uh, societally, um, whether it's an entire state and there's a lot of initiatives that are states or um, a city on uh, Grand Rapids is not insignificant from a population and commerce, it's a huge signal to what's happening in the space. So what's the investable opportunity? I don't think there is an investable opportunity, but it's a huge signal that creates ripples in investable opportunities, which are right now, um, you know, all over the place with the majority of them being, you know, let's get listed on the NASDAQ, let's develop the new NCE, or let's take a classical psychedelic and find a therapeutic protocol to get this delivered and approved through the FDA. So um, the answer is yes, um, but yes in more of a signaling to the investment community of just what's happening uh, around the voice of the people. Did that answer your question, Jeff? Yeah, it does. And I think to, to add to that, <clears throat> um, and I think I know the answer to this question, but you know, the, the bottom line is a lot of these compounds are still federally illegal. Uh, so I, I don't believe that is as much of a barrier as it has been in the cannabis space, because obviously the FDA is working with these companies to fast track them. Um, I, I think that by seeing more of these decriminalization movements, more people are going to be aware not of the decriminalization, but of what psychedelics are. Because when you see decrim, it's not like the decriminalization movements that are, um, that when you see the press releases about them, they're not like, oh, we're gonna put mushrooms in, in uh, dispensaries. It's always like, this is gonna help veterans with PTSD. This is gonna help people with depression. This is gonna help people with addiction. It almost like it automatically segues into the medicine part of it. And it doesn't really, it barely even touches the surface of the recreational part of it. 
Yeah, totally agree. I mean, I, you know, just personally, you know, in the past, whenever I was on the phone with anyone from the FDA or the DEA or any other three-letter acronymed uh, entity that has influence, uh, when it was around cannabis, there was always like contention and always a fight mm-hmm. because it was a big rec component. And, you know, I'm the first believer in the medicinal products of cannabis, but I'm also a believer in the rec side of cannabis where, you know, I mean, I might be revealing a lot here, but I've always smoked a lot of weed. I've loved <laughs> it. I've loved it recreationally. I've loved it over, you know, alcohol or other toxic chemicals. Um, but when I am on a call, it's, it's really a different conversation because we're talking about quote unquote, a federally illegal drug, but it always is like, Hey, my brother is suffering from depression or I had a kid who is, uh, you know, had an eating disorder, or I'm seeing, you know, all these great, uh, results coming out of major universities on the efficacy of these molecules for, uh, helping to treat a whole malady of mental health disorders. Um, so it's, it becomes a very different discussion. Now, I think there is a place and there will be, um, because there are recreational jurisdictions, or I should say jurisdictions, which allow for the equivalent of rec. Um, but that will be such a drop in the ocean towards the medical benefits, whether it's medicalized or legalized, Mm -hmm. um, and, and the benefits thereof. So people kind of get it, you know, this isn't the first, um, you know, city or state to say, why aren't we decriminalizing this? Um, it, it's it's also very strange. It's like you can't buy it, you can't sell it, but if you have it, so there's <laughs> the rub, you know. Right. So the grow gather gift model is one that I think this is a no. I know it is. It's a decriminalized nature initiative. There's several decrim initiatives out there, and that's kind of their, you know, motto um, as it relates to this is the the base of what is decriminalization. You can grow it, you can gather it, you can gift it. Um, will there be recreational uh, psychedelics in any of these states? Um, I think there is that possibility uh, in the future um, in where it's uh, the link to decriminalization, um, legalization, and you know the eventual investable opportunities might be most prominent in Oregon, which legalized the uh, psychotherapy or psilocybin assisted psychotherapy. So you actually had an entire state say, wait a minute, there's a level beyond decriminalization or different than decriminalization that needs support from a medical perspective. And they have about a year to figure out how that'll work. Um, It will borrow from Grow Gather Gift. I know there is close association with many of the decriminalized movements, but you're already seeing a graduation which again is a good signal to where and how and when should investors start looking at this space. Mm-hmm. Now, I, w- I would say, and we've talked about this in the past too, there are some companies, public companies that are saying, hey, you know, we're, we're moving into Oregon. We, we are, you know, this is where we're going to be because this is where it's happening. And I've always, my attitude about that is, uh, let's not jump the gun on that, you know, because it's going to be a long time before any of these companies can actually go in there and generate any kind of real revenue. Um, I would argue that for the next few years, even with um, the legalization of what you're saying with the psilocybin assisted therapy, that doesn't mean that if you're a company that's, you know, maybe has uh, $20 million in the bank, you're just going to walk in and start selling psilocybin to random 
you know, uh, counselors and therapists and stuff. It's not how it's going to work. So I would caution anyone that's looking at some of these companies. I'm not, I'm not saying they're, that they're bad companies. I'm just saying take everything with a grain of salt. Because if, if you have a company saying, listen, we're moving in Oregon and we're going to start, so this, the second they make this happen, we're going to start selling, very unlikely that's going to happen. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Um, I, I would only push back on just the momentum and the need and the fact that you do have something in the measure of 109 saying it's not going to be a matter of if, when. Mm-hmm. And that when is a very evocative uh, clicking clock, right? You have subcommittees. Um, it's really quite remarkable too. I mean, everything happening around, you know, which is getting uh, the biggest spotlight right now in Oregon around the quote unquote legalization of it um, is fully open. Like you could, this might to some extent be the result of COVID, but I think even if there wasn't COVID and people have become more acclimated to Zooms, like you can observe every single council meeting in Oregon and you can see the dialogue and it's not, you know, the filter through a press release or the filter through a report or the filter. It's wow. That council person said this, this company, which might have $20 million in the bank said this at the meeting. So I think it's going to, it's going to happen and it's going to happen a lot faster than people are expecting. Um, so one, I agree with you that it's not tomorrow, but it's right around the corner. And of course, uh, the smarter investor will say, well, how is that going to play out? Where are there other parallel models that I've seen from other industries um, where I should kind of anticipate when this will be an event that I can invest in? And you know, it's a risk-reward ratio. But if you were to ask this question, you know, five years ago, I would say it's not investable. Right now, I would say, listen, the measure passed. It's happening in other cities. But how that will matriculate and how that will evolve in the legislation and who can grow it and who could sell it and who could dispense it is being worked out. But again, with that that momentous clicking clock, tick-tock, tick-tock, that's like within a couple of years. So not today, but it's right around the corner. Right. Well, focusing on what's available today for investors, you know, it's primarily, we talked about this earlier too, is drug discovery and development. I mean, these are the, if you look at the companies that are trading on senior exchanges, NASDAQ, New York Stock Exchange, they're developing medicine. You know, they're going through the clinical trial process. Um, And, you know, that's what I've personally been, um, very focused on for the past couple of years. And it's interesting because going back a little bit to explaining to investors uh, what the difference is between cannabis and psychedelics. I remember when we first started investing in some of these companies, when you could buy them for pennies, um, it was a tough sell to some investors because they would rely on, well, look, it's, it's illegal. And you say, I get that. But, and you, you have to show people, again, the FDA is backing this. Johns Hopkins University is backing this. Columbia University is backing this. This is not a situation where, you know, it's in Colorado and a guy has a, a hemp farm and just got a license to start, you know, selling weed. It's, it's, it's just a completely different kettle of fish. Um, and I would encourage investors to um, not shy away. I mean, yes, there's always the risk versus reward scenario with anything. This is a biotech play, really. Psychedelics. I mean, it's a biotech play. We're we're following the same trajectory as biotech companies, and you know, biotech is is you know you can lose a lot of money in biotech, but you can make a ton of money in biotech too if you if you bet on the right horse. Um, and right now, there's 
just, I would say, a, a small number of, of publicly traded companies that are trading on senior exchanges um, that you can choose from. And, and one that uh, I've been a fan of for a while is Cybin. And something I wanted to bring up to you, um, and I'm going to read this from their press release, but uh, it says, pursuant to the terms of the transaction agreement, Class B common shares in the capital acquirer shall be shall be issued to the Adelia shareholders in satisfaction of $475,000 Canadian. Um, basically, there was an acquisition, so I have been acquired Adelia. I thought the Adelia acquisition was very, very smart. What do you think? Uh, absolutely. You know, watching that unfold, um, not just in, in Sybin and the, the partnership of bringing in just really great drug hunters, uh, drug discovery uh, developers who also had a really uh, deep and long knowledge of, of psychedelics from the mechanism of action to the patent landscape to um, some of those members on the team having, you know, roots in, you know, psychonaut culture. It was really smart. Um, at the time, it was not necessarily out of left field, but it was like, wow, that happened fast. So I think that from the perspective of um, coming together, the Simon and Adelia partnership acquisition uh, was a great signal. Um, if you look at when that happened, which you know feels like a decade ago, because this industry is just moving so fast, it wasn't that long ago. And the value that was created for the investors in Simon, um, which at that time, I believe, was um, still trading on a Canadian exchange and it's simp up listed to the New York Stock Exchange, showed that, you know, all this stuff around psychedelics has great promise on the FDA regulated path. So, you know, internally, too, you know, a lot of companies are going through this. Um, how do we how do we maximize the benefit, you know, quote unquote, not just to shareholders, but to all of humanity and are quickly, you know, changing their narrative to be, as you said, more biotech. It's FDA trials. We have to, you know, go through the steps there. We have to work in concert with the FDA, the DA, and get stuff into the market, you know, in a very quote unquote medicalized sense that has the greatest opportunity to get into the hands and or stomach and veins or nose, whatever the delivery <laughs> mechanism is of, you know, humanity who needs it. So, yeah, that was a really, uh, really great one. You know, the, the details of the actual press release and share stuff, um, that's a whole other discussion on the structure, but at the, the macro level, it's showing, you know, great promise in how these drugs, um, how these molecules will get out to society in a framework that um, is the one we have. Is the current healthcare system the best one in the world? Um, no, absolutely not. Are there ways to improve it? Absolutely. Between insurance providers, between payments, between big pharma, but it's the system we have. And I think there's still an opportunity to change that and optimize it. But if it's about getting the best medicine to the people who need it most, um, that press release is kind of, uh, uh, how can I say, a, a, a great release on how many other companies will play out in the quote unquote psychedelic investing space. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, one of the <clears throat> advantages I think you have and, and JLS has had is the fact that you're just so well connected to everyone in the space. I mean, you've been in the space for 
you know, what, 40 years, basically, like, but it was a great I'm not that old. (laughs) You've been in it for a long time. Because every time I talk... Every time I talk to someone in the psychedelic space, I said, oh, you know, Simeon. Like, of course I know Simeon. Like every, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, Timothy Leary. Yeah, I know Timothy Leary. You know, oh yeah, I know Simeon. Maybe not to that extent, but you know what I'm saying? Like you're very well connected. And I think that in the case of Simon, here's a company that, you know, you knew about what, what were the, when they, before they went public, you know, you were seeing shares at what price? 50 cents or something? Yeah, no, the, the, we, yeah, we, we were engaged at the, at the seed level. So I think it was the, was it the ten or the twenty five cent Canadian? I have to do the math. I'm not sure if that's a dollar U.S. or a dime U.S. <laughs> I, was, I think I'm much better at my forex trading, but uh, um, yeah, at least on mention of you know myself and you know kind of knowledge of the space. This was never intended. Like if you were to ask me, and I go back to you know really the start of my journey, which isn't forty years ago. I think I would have been six. Um, So that might have been a little too early, but I was, you know, I was young. I was a teenager and I just got fascinated by the promise of these molecules um, and was kind of introduced to it in an unusual way where living in Chicago, I got to study with Robert Masters and Gene Houston, who wrote a seminal book, Varieties of Psychedelic Experience, still to this day, arguably one of the best books on a rubric and a protocol for LSD and the psyche. So got to, you know, work with them, um, LSD 25 that they had from Sandoz and knew that the molecules would be, you know, a lifelong journey. Then along the way, got into, you know, early stage entrepreneurship and understanding, you know, the, the energy of money and how that could be used for good. Um, yeah, I have a very different perspective on, like I'm sometimes an anarchist, but I could see the promise of com- capitalism if it's if it's on the bed of empathy, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, kind of been a student of the molecules uh, ever since I could remember, um, or at least the majority of my life. But not forty. Um, that would uh, <laughs> that fault. would make me uh, sixty, and I'm not uh, haven't even approached fifty. Although, <laughs> god damn, that's. God, we get old. Well, you know, I got um, a little overzealous because I see how people react when they when I say that I know you, at least in the psychedelic space. So, just so I should note that I just checked. So, if it was um, right now, Simon's trading for two dollars US. That's about two fifty Canadian. So, if you're looking at what twenty, would you say twenty five cents? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's a nice game. Yeah, that's, that's a, a nice very game. that's a very nice game. <laughs> you yeah. Know? It's, uh, and it's I, not my, I mean, if you asked me that same question uh, uh, two months ago, um, and like, what did I do in Dogecoin? Uh, that wouldn't look even remotely. Of course, then my Dogecoin dropped. But that's all capital markets and speculative and fun. But yeah, a thousand plus percent gain in a year. If you're an investor, that's, uh, that's significant. And it's the right type of investing, you know. Uh, right. Dogecoin, I was saying a little bit tongue-in-cheek, although I think there's great promise in blockchain and decentralized ledgers and everything about, um, you know, whenever I get into the headspace of a Bitcoin maximalist, I go, oh, my God, and you could eliminate the middleman. You could base things on trust and kind of mm-hmm. the betterment of humanity. Um, but, yeah, if, if, if the question is, you know, and the focus of this is around investing. Um, you know, that would certainly be a feather in the cap of JLS because we yeah. saw it early and, you know, we, we made money for investors and we supported a company who's, you know, 
at the end of the day, yes, a biotech company, but because they're dealing with these new molecules and or ancient molecules and finding a way through regulatory frameworks to get it into the hands of society, it's a big impact investment too, and it's the right thing to do. Well, you know, that's one of the things that I like, well, about a lot of these companies, really. I mean, the companies that we've invested in, um, there's always that angle. I mean, you're not going to find, I mean, at least on my end, um, much interest in investing uh, in company. Because I've seen this, you know, you get some guys come out from the mining industry and have a bunch of money in a, in a shell. And they're like, we're going to start a psychedelics company. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. That's not really what we're doing. We're looking for the best in breed. And I think Cybin was one of those. Another one that I really like is Wisana. Now, Wisana is not trading on a senior exchange. But, man, you know, in terms of potential, this has got potential written all over it. Um, they actually just started, um, I think they just announced starting functional animal studies to mm-hmm. determine the effect of psilocybin-based uh, regimen on locomotor activity, uh, as well yeah. as anxiety and depression. I think those results we should see at the end of the year. Um, so for those who don't know, Wisana is focusing on traumatic brain injury. Uh, if I mean, if you want to dive deeper into exactly what molecules are using and, and more specifics, that would be really helpful, I think, for uh, investors that are listening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we Wisana is just exceptional. Um, that was an opportunity on the investable front. I kind of go back to a little over two years ago where I was in conversation with some of the decrim nature folks and they said, hey, um, and they knew I had roots in Chicago, which, you know, I spent a lot of my formative years. Um, you know, our colleague is in Chicago and he's kind of leading the, oh, this is great. This is tying back to decrim, which is how this started. Um, oh, this is very cool. Kind totally of did that on purpose. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize. Very sneaky. Really nice. Um, uh, so Daniel, the, the, you know, the founder and the CEO of uh, WeSana um, was very active in uh the decriminalization in Chicago. Um, and I remember jumping on a plane and then driving to um, Bumble F suburb. I can't remember the suburb, but it was not Chicago. Like, you know how people from, like people in, who live close to Chicago say, yeah, I live in Chicago. And then they discover they live in a suburb two hours away. Right, right. Uh, but it was worth the journey because not only were the pancakes great, but I got to meet Daniel and talk to him about uh, the decrim uh, initiative in Chicago. Because within that 48 hour period, I remember there was a lot of press around, you know, Chicago decriminalizes all psychedelics. And I learned at that, at that breakfast meeting that, you know, there was a unanimous vote to decriminalize psychedelics. And that unanimous vote was actually to have another meeting to discuss <laughs> it. So it wasn't, you know, someone in the press picked it up. There was a lot around decrim or well, what actually happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the breakfast, I, you know, I had this really heartfelt memory of, um yeah just remembering how authentic daniel was about his own journey you know he had been a um, hockey player um who you know got hit in the head a lot and that was the nature of the sport and suffered from traumatic brain injury and you know in uh, which is how so many people find these things because again it's not it's not accessible. You can't go to your doctor and get it. It's, 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 and that's all going to be changing in the next few years, uh, i.e. both Lisana, Saiba, and other companies uh, that are happening. And he's like, I, I found, you know, plant-based medicines and I cured myself. 
and I feel much better. And my relationships and my depression and suicide ideation, and he's very, uh, very public about this. And, you know, at that time, I don't even know if Wisana was more than an idea, um, but what a great narrative, what a great leader. Like when you meet somebody who, you know, there's that Silicon Valley aphorism of, you know, you have to eat your own dog food. Like Daniel did it and he went through it and he was really rigorous about it. So now, um, in tandem with that CEO's personal experience, as well as tens of thousands, if not millions of people over millennia who've used certain plant-based medicines and psychedelics to cure themselves. Um, now it's the point of, okay, now we need to prove that with the data to the powers that be, hence that the press release and, and what you read. So you know, that's another company where it's like, it, it all fits. It's the right team. It's the right time. It's the right indication. I mean, TBI is a a really a funky one, right? Because it's never just a single indication. You don't get a traumatic brain injury and not get like, you know, half a dozen other things that are true indications in themselves. So it's a really big tackle or a really big problem to tackle. Um, and yeah, I couldn't be more pleased and elated at, you know, the progress we sauna is making. I've, you know, no doubt they'll continue to succeed. And I, I think that's just a really promising press release of what you shared at the top of this question. Um, that, you know, for investors is definitely a signal. That's definitely, oh, wait, they're in a trial. They're testing, you know, A, B, or C. So um, actually forgot the question. Well, no, I just wanted you to opine a little bit on what we saw, which, which you've done. Um, and, I, and I should note that the, uh, the results of that study are expected by the end of the year, which I think is, is actually pretty exciting because it's a lot faster than I thought that would take yeah and i think you know there's something really interesting i'm um i uh I had dinner last night with um someone who works closely with the cdc here i'm in montenegro today and you know there was this whole thing about the covid vaccine and just this well how did that how did that get approval and it's like well it didn't it was like this emergency exemption, which you're seeing around a lot of psychedelics when the narrative is so strong and so compelling that we need to do this real world kind of getting it out there. I think we're going to start to see um, a much more accelerated uh, path, whether it's through AI and ML or regulatory bodies saying, wait, there's an issue here. Humanity shouldn't be suffering with these things if there's a solution. So the traditional time of a clinical trial, um, the bureaucracy, the lag, the paperwork. Um, I mean, you're already seeing that to your point where things are just moving faster because you have all the components of, you know, society, regulators, economics, uh, pharma, government saying, often, I have this issue or I have a fam family member who had this issue. Mm -hmm. um, so that's another big signal to, to do as well. I don't know of anyone right now. I kind of um, think about it in my head, but like, what's that matrix of speed to uh, speed to uh, approve trial? Um, and I think it's going to become much faster. Um, so with with Wisana, especially in that specific one, I'd have to dig into the weeds and the details on it. But generally, you're going to see these things start to move much faster because the need is there. Mm -hmm. And then back to the top of it, you know, investors, because the money is there. Right. And, you know, money is just such a big component. We live with it. It's it's the one thing that, you know, 
brings people together and sometimes tears <laughs> people apart. It's like the fabric of the society we created. And until, you know, until we evolve the species or the species, the species uh, uh, pivots, which is probably, I know this isn't the topic of, of this, although it is an investable thing. When you look at CRISPR and you look at brain to computer right. interface stuff, it's like, oh my God, that's moving so fast. Right. Will we even have humanity in a decade? But that's <laughs> maybe the next podcast. <laughs> well, I think you're right. You know, and I think that, and I've said this before, that in terms of mental health, I mean, there hasn't been a, anything really disruptive in the world of mental health since what, like the 60s? Yeah, I mean, even the SSRIs, and that happened later, which showed some promise. But if you look at that $100 billion industry, um, and then you look at the results, it's like, how is this even an industry, which is even more profound around addiction, which, you know, again, could be attributed under right. the umbrella of mental health. How can you have a product? What other industry can you sell a product <laughs> where only like, like less than 10% of the people even get you know, any results from it. So very parallel addiction, SSRIs on mental mm -hmm. health. It's just like, and wait, there's these molecules that have been used since the beginning of time that might be the solution. Yeah, it's baffling. I, tell you, I talked to someone about that actually with, with talking about the um, smoking cessation study that Hopkins did back in 2018. So it was psilocybin therapy and a year later they had an 80% success rate. So in any yeah. kind of addiction therapy, 80% is, is unheard of. And if you look yeah. at smoking, smoking cessation products that are currently approved and on the market, the, the one that has the highest success rate is 30%. So mm -hmm. look at it like that. You, you have two products on the market and you're trying to quit smoking. One has a 30% success rate and one has an 80% success rate. I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure out which is going to win over the, you know, the hearts and minds of people who want to quit smoking. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, there's, there's, that's, there's a lot of nuance in that too. It's like, why is it 80%? And you, I really see two buckets around the smoking cessation, um, trials, evidence, and there's a lot of companies working on that right now. Um, two, or, or, or first is it does change something. It changes receptors, it changes neural pathways. Um, and that's why you're seeing this really big trend in microdose where it's subperceptual, but subtly is changing. Then you have what, you know, most psychonauts and traditionally has been used, quote unquote, the macrodose, the ceremony. And there's something in the macro. Um, I'd love to be able to, you know, uh, uh, evaluate of that 80%, how many did a full macro, how many are doing micro, because in the macro, it's so simple sometimes, but when you have a macro quote unquote trip or psychedelic experience, um, you have nine times out of 10 or 11 times out of 10 um, <laughs> or 110% efficacy and uh, something called catharsis. So it's like you have this moment, it's usually brief, you know, if it's psilocybin, you know, that's several hours, um, but you have this, this moment of kind of, reevaluating and looking and stepping outside of yourself. And if someone is doing something harmful and they have this moment of respite, this moment of grace to see the life decisions they're making or the habits that they're in and they can go like, Oh wait, that's Kurt Vonnegut says, you know, smoking is the slowest form of suicide. And you can have that, just that moment of, oh my God, I'm smoking. <laughs> this is killing me. 
why am I doing that? And break that habit. Um, you know, most of the clinical stuff, the biotech stuff doesn't go into the catharsis, that, that inner dialogue. We all have that inner voice, but that's a really big part of, you know, most psychedelic trips and the jury's out on how that'll play out. You know, will it just be medicine and you don't feel anything or is that emotional, mystical, cathartic experience important? I would wager um, both can work, but how great is it to have a moment, regardless of what habit you're in, to see it even for a second mm-hmm. outside of yourself and then go like, well, why am I doing that? Maybe I shouldn't huh, you know, that's, that's really a big deal. No, that's a really interesting point because when we talk about this stuff as medicine, it's not in the traditional sense of what we think medicine is. Um, and I think that, you know, that's something that it's, it may be a bit of an obstacle for people to, to understand or to accept. Um, but that being said, if the results are so incredible, you know, and you're really suffering from whether it be addiction or PTSD or anxiety or whatever it may be, when you get to that point, you'll pretty much try anything. Um, yeah. You know, and uh, hey, look, if, if, it, if, if the data looks good and you're seeing better and the efficacy looks good, you know, I, I think that's really going to be the determining factor for most people. And that may change the way we look at medicine, you know, going yeah. forward. I mean, look, it's very easy to get static. It's very easy to say, well, this is how it's done. Well, you know, how, how many years ago did we use leeches to pull spirits out of our bodies, you know, to make us better, you know, like things like that. It wasn't that long ago, you know, yeah. so the idea that we're going to change our minds about how we heal, I don't think is, is that bizarre. And there's going to yeah. be a learning curve. Um, but again, I think uh, if it's, if it's effective, that learning curve will be, um, will be, will be quite drastic. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, listen, totally. that, this is great. Thank you so much for your thoughts today uh, on, on, on Decrim and Cybin and Wisana. And we will have more next week on investing in psychedelics. Take care. Awesome. Thank you, Jeff. All right. I think that went well. Yeah. Um, I like just like the idea of just making it a conversation as opposed to just question, answer, question, answer. Yeah, no, absolutely. I did like the tie-in, um, like where it kind of came back to decriminalization where yeah. it was all interwoven. That was cool. I didn't expect that. I think, you know, for, for the next one, and this one was fine, like just thinking about how we, we utilize this, this mechanism, um, should we, because it, I mean, it's super conversational and you know me well enough now. It's like, I don't like well, you know, we traded at seven and we're up 1400% right, right. and our CTAR is whatever. And this is right. you know, a douchey hedge fund guy, right? You know, um, that's why I want to kind maybe of a little more it. of that little, like something where like, at least from us, like declarative, like, uh, you know, a, a well-managed portfolio, like they're just a little more corporate or institutional. I don't know. Uh, maybe, I, maybe. I think there's, I think it depends on what's happening. So like if there's big news from any of these companies, we can really dive into that. Um, but I think that by keeping it this way, it doesn't get boring. And I know from my own experience listening to podcasts of analysts, yeah. I tune out so fast, you know, and, it, and maybe I'm different. I don't know. Um, but if you're, just, right. if you're just hitting like all the investor points and not really diving into to the topic, it can get boring. You know, some of the podcasts I've listened to um, that are run by analysts that I like, 
that seem to have a really good following are the ones that do it like this, that do it like they have conversations. Yeah. They're talking, they're talking about the business, okay. but they're also talking uh, in a way that's a little more, um, I don't know, uh, tangible, I guess, for, mm-hmm. for the human mm-hmm. condition. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And particularly when you talk about people that are going to listen to this, which are a lot of probably retail investors, not very, you know, not very in tune with what's going on. This will keep right. them, I think, um, okay. Activated, I guess. Not activated. What's the word I'm looking for? Engaged. I got it. You know, curious, interested. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, And I'll definitely, like, if I feel like we're not getting enough of that in there, I'll steer it in that direction. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm thinking then, too, just, like, you know, jumping ahead to how and when we post this, like, I mean, there's certain podcasts I like where they don't edit it at all. Right. You know, and like even the mistakes that did you get my audio? You didn't get my audio. Like they just leave (laughs) that in there so that it's totally raw. So, you know, just thinking ahead from your, you know, uh, bandwidth of like editing could be like, Oh fuck another hour. Should I tweak that? Yeah. The only thing I'd edit out is like, if, if I said something that was wrong, you know, or if I fucked up, but like, if it's just like flubs or like I tripped over a couple of words, I'm not editing that, you know, I don't, I don't want it to be like, you know, sterile, you know, I want yeah, it to totally be produced. more organic like that. I mean, basically I'm just going to send it over to Carolyn. Um, she's already done like a lot of the groundwork for that. So she'll put it up. We'll listen to it. And then, um, and then hopefully, and then we'll put it out. And if you're cool, like I'm totally cool with doing this every Friday at 1030. Yeah, totally. Okay. And we'll just, we'll yeah. just lock that time in. Um, and I think the time was good. I, I'd probably like to cut it down by maybe five minutes if possible, but I don't want to stop it if there's a flow. Um, Right. Yeah. How long was that? That felt long. It was about. I mean, it, it didn't feel long to me because we were in conversation, but right. it's it, like that was long. I want to say, well, no, it was probably about 30 minutes. So it wasn't too bad. Okay. Okay. I really wanted to keep it between 20 and 25, but th- I don't think okay. 30 is horrible. Okay. Um, and it's always going to be different, you know? Uh, yeah. But I wouldn't lose much sleep over it. And I think she's got everything. The only thing I'll do is I'll give a, uh, um, a uh, a summary of this because she's going to need that for the description, and then uh, yeah, I'll talk to her today and see how see how long it'll take her to get it up on the on the platform and everything. Right, I think then, she is. She's not going to respond to you. I hope she doesn't respond to you. I don't know if you saw the threads on some of the HubSpot stuff, but she's like, I'm on vacation until Monday, but I'll take care of everything Monday. And then okay, I responded. I didn't expect you to even answer that email. <laughs> um, but by the way, here are two other things you need to fix. Right? That's fine. I just like, hey, I know you're on vacation. This is for Monday or whatever, just so you know. Okay. What the fuck are they take a vacation for? That's bullshit. <laughs> I know. Right? Well, I thought, I thought, like I, I put out that email yesterday to some of the, the forums. Like we had a couple of, uh, um, you know, from the newsletter to the campaign to how HubSpot all works together. And, and I'm like, hey, I saw this and I saw this. Let's change it for the next one. And, you know, she responded. It's like, I'm on vacation. I'm like, well, if you're on vacation, why are you responding to an email? <laughs> anyway. Well, what I'm going to do is when she's done with it, um, she they're going to post it on different platforms. I'm going to put it out to my group. Um, and I'll probably put it out on Energy and Capital's blog page. It doesn't get a lot of clicks, but it'll, it usually gets about a thousand clicks. Um, and then I'll put it up wow. on, you know, uh, Twitter, Stock Twits, right. Facebook, whatever. Um, 
and we'll just and you know we'll just keep doing them we'll put them out there and just again yeah. just to kind of get our our name out there more i don't i'm not saying i don't expect to see a bunch of people coming in to invest you know from these but yeah. i like the idea it's of being leadership stuff that's yeah, cool yeah 100%. and yeah. like we son will be tagged simon will be tagged the fda will be tagged the da will be tagged uh, the pyramid scheme in <laughs> Grand Rapids, like who knows what their social media following is, right? I get it. That's yeah. cool. Okay, yeah. cool. All right, dude. Well, I'm going to head out. Um, and okay. I think we have a call today, so I'll talk to you then. Yeah, I'll see you on the call. All right, okay. see you. Bye. All right, later.